Welcome to Betamax Rewind, the only podcast currently under a cease and desist order from the estate of Sean Connery. Here are two guys that always check for spiky fences before jumping out a window. Matt and Doug. Quick and to the point. Quick and to the point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Matt. How are you doing, Doug? Good. I'm good. Um, You had mentioned in the Facebook post that this film contains one of the funniest death scenes ever. Uh Uh-huh. It's not that one, is it? Oh yeah. Oh, it is. Okay, I was thinking the one. I was thinking the one at the end where he's getting his hair, uh, his hair blow dried. <laughs> I was just laughing my balls off because it just. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't think anybody saw it. She didn't see it coming. Well, we'll get into that when we get into it. But let's go ahead and jump into the pool. All right. And now it's time for podcast housekeeping. I, I have no idea how much you have, so I have very little. Uh, so I'll start. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender is, yes. is the actor we couldn't think of that has a huge cock. Yes. Um, Brendan Fraser was not in Braveheart. <laughs> he was in George of the Jungle. Correct. Brendan Gleeson was in Braveheart. Yes, I, I, I have that in my notes as well. I think it was right around that point in the podcast, I said David Banner, and I meant Bruce Banner, oh, okay. which actually would have been funny because David Banner doesn't actually mean anything. All right. You know, Bruce Banner, Sad Hulk, walking away. Yes. Uh, Christopher Lambert. Yes. We question where he was from. He was born in the United States, but moved to Switzerland when he was two and received a an education in France. So that is a French accent. Uh, Coco and Kokomo were both famous apes. All right. You are not a boomer. <laughs> I know I'm not a boomer. You claim to be one last. No, I don't. But it's but it's because that's the thing when you you read the comments on on Yahoo, and a lot of times I'll just like scan the first couple of sentences of an article and sure. then go to the comments just because those are way more entertaining. And it's always the the okay boomer because they mention something about you know it, it shows their age. I know I'm not a boomer, but that's the, that's the kind of thing I've seen people. I've seen. People that we got, have gone to high school with say that on Facebook comments, like, okay, boomer. It's like, you don't realize how stupid you sound when you say that. Well, people think that that is a, a mic drop moment. Right. That That is, oh, oh, he said, okay, boomer, I'm done. I can't uh-huh. defend my point anymore. That's all right. there is to it. Yes. Uh, 1941, I guess 1941 for the sound of the week last week. It's not eligible because it is not an 80s film. I didn't think so. 79. Yeah. Um, the only sword show that I could find would be Forged in Fire. And that was the one that I had mentioned that I listened to a podcast which featured the host. Oh, you're talking about when I mentioned Smelt World? <laughs> yes, Smelt World. Forged in Fire, Big Giant Swords, and The Forge. All right. Uh, we had talked about, actually, you had said from your song for The Bed last week, it was your Desert Island off your Desert Island album, and I talked a little mm-hmm. bit about that. And I actually uh, have a little bit of history in this. All right. One of the things a long time ago, when I was actually in consideration for some reality shows, like I actually got, I actually talked to the people. It wasn't, I just mailed something and they actually got in contact with me and we had a back and forth. You have to fill out this super, super long application. And one of the questions is, what albums would you listen to or would you want if you were on a desert island? Mm-hmm. And I had four. All right. I mentioned Hysteria last week. Yes. Operation Mindcrime. 
Okay. Great radio controversy. Who's that by? Tesla. Okay. And Operation Mind Crime, for those that don't know, is the cars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Queen's right. And, uh, and then LA Guns, uh, Hollywood Vampires. All right. Boy, so, so you're not, re- you're really not picking like four different genres to wet your whistle with. You're just going all 80s hair bands. Well, I would assume you'd only actually get one. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That's all I got. Oh, man. that's all you got. Okay. We forgot that's to mention that Harrison Ford is in an upcoming Yellowstone series. Yeah. What is it? Uh, 1899? I think it's 1913 or something. I think there's a 19 in it. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. But we uh, several times we've talked about people starting to listen to the podcast. And somebody at work was actually talking to because he's been kind of bouncing around. And he asked me if I had any suggestions. Do you have mm-hmm. any that you'd say, this is really a good one to go to or... I would have to look at them. I mean, because there's sometimes where it's yeah, okay. I, our our full effort were not was not there, and then there's other times where after the podcast, you will text me or I will text you, and it'll usually be like, boy, that was fun. Yeah, I mean, there's ones that I, I say to stay away from. Yeah, I, I say to stay away from Tango and Cash. Not necessarily because no. it's a bad podcast, but just because I'm so off the rails by the end of it. You're, you're hammered. Yeah, don't bother with the um, as much as I love Tracy. Nobody wants to listen to planes, trains, and automobiles for four hours and us listen to us reminisce about stuff. Yeah, that's it's that's, good. It's good for us, but I, I honestly, I think that's where we lost my sister. My okay. sister was was a regular listener, and as soon as she, she's just like, ah, I couldn't stand it. Well, sorry. Uh, Bo Derek was in Playboy at least half a dozen times. I could not find the total number. Uh, her husband John Derek was the one who directed Bolero. All right. Uh, we've had two consecutive episodes where we talked about buying panties from a vending machine. Yeah. Uh, an average katana or katana is just shy of four feet long. Not four and a half, but close. And a samurai sword is about three feet. I'm looking at a samurai sword. Literally five feet away, I'm looking at a samurai sword. And it's th- it's about three feet. I, I was actually, I had a, a moment of pride last week when you were talking about uh, the De Palma-esque shots when they came up. Uh-huh. And then that pride was completely taken away when you could not come up with the word MacGuffin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Better to burn out than fade away is Neil Young. Oh, not Rolling Stones. Correct. And was also in the note that Courtney Love wrote for Kurt Cobain. Allegedly. Uh, That was a... (laughs) Okay. The Sopranos was indeed filmed at Silver Cup Studios. Yeah, but I believe... In Highlander, that wasn't the real Silver Cup Studios. I I have no idea. I, I would I, I would assume that it was some kind of set because they probably didn't want, unless they're, hey, you know, we're redoing our sign. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and just destroy the shit out of it. And then I have a really long uh, summation or summary of Amanda Knox. I think I can probably just skip that. Mm-hmm. But we have... It's time for, for, for Doug's Waffle of the Week. It's actually kind of a misnamed segment now. It should actually be Doug's Waffles of the Week. <laughs> okay. Here's the first one. And did the woman take off? She did. No. No, she's just there. <laughs> she's just there. And she, yes. honestly, bonus clip. Well, I don't think he takes the sword with him everywhere because he didn't have it when, or no, he would have. No. He had to have it when he was at the wrestling match. 
He had it at the wrestling match, but he didn't have it when he went to the bar to stalk her because she threw him a pipe and that's what he fought with. Not done. Even no, he, he, had went, the, he had the sword. He got disarmed because he got the sword from the parking garage. Yes. And then... When, okay. You were, you were very passionate about that. Yeah. Remember when I did the re-listen, I'm like, wow, Matt was really passionate about that he still had the sword. Bonus clip. Northridge is the one that was up off of, close to 43, right? In Brown Deer? Yes. Wait. <laughs> mm, was that Northridge? Well, no, whatever the mall was. I think that's Brown Deer Mall. And actually, if I'd let that clip run another 10 seconds, you said, okay, there's my waffle of the week. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh-huh. Surprising a lot of parody as far as the numbers this week for the first time in a really, really long time. Okay. First one is me. I was... I was... I was... I was... Did the... Did the best I could. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one is you. Boom, 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 boom. Apparently, your helicopter sounds were in slow motion. Yes, they were. Uh, the next one is also you. I can't be right. I, I've never been able to get a dot matrix printer out of what you said. <laughs> no, no, probably not. Okay, the next one is me. Who's there? Who's there? It's pretty straightforward. It is what yeah. it is. Uh, the next one is you, and I, I think you're going to have a comment about this one. Hey, do you go to the garden? <laughs> uh, what? Go to the garden often. What did you, what did you say? Comment? No. Okay. Why? Usually you have an excuse there. (laughs) Oh, that I was paraphrasing? Paraphrasing Doug. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Shut up, Jen. Okay, the next one is me. (laughs) Down goes Frasier. Down goes Frasier. Pretty straightforward. Uh, The next Uh one is actually both of us, and they're from about 45 minutes away from each other in the podcast, but I put them together rather than having them be separate because it's the same thing. Mother. 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 I'm going to give myself that one. Okay. Uh, the next one is me. <laughs> Not great. No. But in my defense, uh, I've never actually heard a woman have an orgasm. So <laughs> the next one is you. <laughs> I think we've done that one before. Yes, we have. Okay. I didn't even have to pull the the real clip for that one. Uh, the next one is me. Don't ever speak to me again. <laughs> Don't ever speak to me. Not not bad. Not bad. You, you sounded more like Vincent D'Onofrio from Men in Black. I was thinking more. It sounded like uh, Frank Oz from the Blues Brothers. All right. Uh, next one is you. Uzi, 9 millimeter. Uzi nine millimeter. Uh, and the next one is you. And I actually pulled. You said that 
you you did a you did something. Then you said it also sounds like something from earlier. So I pulled clips from both sections. I All still right. don't think it sounds the same. And the last one is me. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you this week. Victory is mine! Yeah, I was... I was planning on taking that one. Anyway, okay. so let's go ahead and move on. <clears throat> hey, man, what's new now? What's fucking new now? My week, I will go first. I found that people are very unimpressed with stuff that I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, it was Thanksgiving this week. And my brother and my sister-in-law were in town. And they saw some of the stuff that I have made with my laser. They could not have been more unimpressed with it. Just kind of like, eh, eh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know how I, how I feel about that. I, I sent you and Lawn Chair a somewhat ambiguous text because I didn't want to get into the details of it because I knew I was going to talk about it on the podcast. You remember what that was about? Something about your time worth other... Your time versus... It's money. Not mo- money. It's not time. It's money versus embarrassment. Okay. So which is which is worth more to you, money or embarrassment? So... Dep- well, it depends on how much money. Like, I think I answered, well, it depends on how much money is involved. It's like eight bucks. Yeah. It's, it depends on what the embarrassing circumstance is. A couple parts of the story, but I'll keep it short. Uh, Jen's birthday is tomorrow. So happy birthday. To Jen while she's listening to this and kind of a running joke I always buy her something for her birthday and for Christmas has her guesses what that is um was it um was the sound featured in, ho- no. in housekeeping <laughs> no okay it's more a, a wearing thing well she can't wear a cock ring <laughs> okay Maybe she well. can <laughs> Yes. No, we haven't worded it. Man, that's just mean. That's mean, man. Under, underwear? There you go. All right. Okay. So one of the things I do at work on my lunch hour is there's a Walmart that's literally three, three blocks from where I work. And I'll mm-hmm. go and I'll walk around in Walmart just to get my steps in. Do you and, wear your New Balance shoes? No, I wear dress shoes to work. Okay. You don't switch out? No, I do not. I don't put on my walkers. <laughs> With my with my orthopedic inserts, <laughs> yes. But as I'm going through, I see a, a three pack uh-huh. for like four bucks. Like, All right, hey. hey, that's a pretty good deal. But I, I don't want to go through the checkout line, so I'm going through. I'm going to go through the the self checkout. But I didn't also want to be walking around, so I had to pick up something else to to purchase, so I could disguise that fact. And then I went up to the self checkout, and they rang out at thirteen bucks. I'm like, okay. So I, I check out and I'm thinking, is it worth it for me to go to customer service <laughs> to, to, to get the difference in money back? Hey, I bought this three pack of panties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe they, you know what? Maybe they had it marked wrong. Oh, it was, it was, they were in the wrong place. Ah, okay. 
but the thing is, four days later, they're still in the wrong place. They didn't bother wow. to correct it, and I actually showed it. But they did give me the price. But of course, it, that was after they had to bring a manager in, and there's like four women behind me in line. So that was oh my uh, god! So you actually did go back? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh god. Okay. A uh, <laughs> couple of work-related things. Mm-hmm. Twice at work this week, once in person and once on a video conference. Somebody said, "Is that a picture of you on your coffee cup?" <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of turn it around and walk away in shame. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know if you saw this on Facebook. I, I put out there, apparently getting in someone's kitchen is not a well-known phrase. Okay. I mean, I've heard it before. Maybe it's just because I've heard it from you. And so I Googled it to see it. I, I can't imagine that it's something that I came up with. And it, it does exist. It's mostly used in sports metaphors. But it is the second time that in a review that I was having for work, my boss actually took something that I had said and said, I've never heard that before. I'm going to start using that. Okay. I had a bad dream where I, I was, I got up from my desk and I went to go get coffee and it took me 20 minutes to go get coffee because the coffee machine on my floor wasn't working. And when I got back at my desk, there were like carpet and uh, furniture material samples where my desk used to be. And they're like, yeah, you don't work here anymore. Oh, <laughs> And then I also had a, a bad dream that I got abducted by a cult. And maybe that's because I've been talking so much about my <clears throat> because, desires yes, of starting you, one. Yeah, you're so obsessed with starting a cult that, that it seeped into your subconscious. And then the very last thing is today was the Ohio State-Michigan game. And that's a huge fucking deal here in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And I root for Michigan. Not necessarily out of a fandom of Michigan so much as I just hate the way people get about Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure if you were a Bears fan and you lived in Green Bay, it would be very, very similar. Sure. But, you know, Ohio State got the shit kicked out of them. They lost by like 20-some points. And after the game was over, I was walking the dog, and there's a bar in my neighborhood, and there was a guy who was riverbred drunk. <laughs> oh, he was so sad he had to get that hammered, huh? Yeah, and... He was like, I'm driving home. And his friends are like grabbing him and almost tackling him to prevent him from doing that. So that was good. Okay. So that's it for me. All right. Well, I mean, along the lines of your coffee mug situation with your face on it, uh, I had a guy who was one of my den leaders who needed our flag set because he was taking his den to the Milwaukee Admirals game to perform the the flag ceremony. <clears throat> and when we went to and spent the night in the submarine last year, uh, or I should say this year, this previous spring, he had mentioned how he was such a fan of World War II. And I was, and we start talking. I'm like, oh, I have a D-Day themed bathroom. So we came downstairs to the basement to get the flags. I'm like, you want to see my D-Day bathroom? He's like, yeah. So we walk past the bar where I've got the microphone set up. Sure. He's like, what's that for? Is that for podcasting? And I go, yeah. And he goes, wow, what's, what's your podcast about? And without skipping a beat, I said, uh, fem- feminism in post-revolution French literature. <laughs> And he he did the whole head cock, and he's like, "Wow, that is way over my head." And I kind of, you know, I put my hand on his shoulder. I'm like, "I'm just kidding, man. Uh, it's it's a raunchy podcast about '80s podcasts." I was like, "Oh, I I think I should start listening to it." And he's a pretty wholesome guy, but I warned him. I'm like, "Yeah, man, it's it first twelve episodes, okay, okay, and then it goes off the rails. Just warning you, you're gonna look at me differently." It's like that's okay, man. So. And then it was, yeah, it was Thanksgiving a couple of days ago, 
And uh, we had two Thanksgivings, one Thursday, one Friday. There's drama occurring in both of our families. Um, uh, and my dad's side, that was not brought up, which was great. There were some buffers there. Uh, and then at my missus's side, there's some drama and it's, it's that drama. You, you, you can't avoid it. And it, it's, you know, it wasn't horrible. It was just kind of awkward because everybody was just kind of quiet because of the, what's, what's happening on her side of the family. Um, and I couldn't wait to get the fuck out of there. It was just, it was just really kind of uncomfortable. Nobody was talking. Um, and you know, that's really about it. Oh, we had, I, I guess I didn't mention, you know, I, I'd mentioned last week that my son was in the Lion King Jr. production. And then on Sunday, we did, did we do the podcast on Sunday? We did the week? podcast on Sunday, yeah. Did I talk about how when you're sitting in your chair and you're looking up on the stage and you're seeing these kids who are sixth, seventh, and eighth grade singing in Bigger Than Life and they, they look like young adults. And then when you get close to them, they're, you're just like, yeah, you're just a fucking kid. No, you didn't, you your, talked about how great they did. You didn't talk about they that. They did, so. but that, but that's uh, this now two years in a row with the stage strike. I'm looking at these kids, and I'm like, yeah, you're just you're 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 tiny. You're just you're just a child, and you're acting like a child because up on stage, you're performing. You're not acting like a child, and you seem impressive. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a mature person. And then in real life, yeah, they're they're just kids. It's, I guess that tells you how well they did. Um, Do you see the irony in that though? No. Because you're, you're, you're talking about these kids who are, they're performing. So they're acting like adults and then you're an adult and you perform and you act like a child. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. So two, two things that I forgot about the whole family thing. Uh-huh. Uh, family was in town. My brother and my sister-in-law were in town and, my sister-in-law said something to Jen about how much they enjoyed the last time we took a vacation together a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like, eh. Don't bring it up. I don't, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a conversation I'm best left out of because, I, I mean, I, I cannot give a more firm no. Yeah. Just, I, you just have to kind of live with the choices that are made for you. No, no, that's a thing where it's like, no, well, I'll talk to him about it rather than it being a discussion of all of us together. Yeah. Because if it was a discussion with all of us together, I think it would get heated because I would say no. And the question would be, well, why don't you want to? And there are multiple reasons why the last mm-hmm. time we were on vacation together was just a shit show. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to get into that because. It's it's better to just let that sleeping dog lie. Okay. And I, I should mention, so I texted you on Thanksgiving, wishing you a, a happy Thanksgiving and telling you what I was grateful for. <laughs> which was? And which was? <laughs> that you're finally comfortable admitting that you're, uh, that you're happy laying with men. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and then I said, and then podcast on Saturday, question mark. And I got, and crickets, that was on Thursday. Now Saturday rolls around. I text you. I think at eight thirty, nine thirty your time. Mm-hmm. Hey, what are, are we still doing it tonight? Crickets. About an hour and a half later, I text you. Hey, man, everything okay? Crickets. My response is yes and yes. <laughs> no, not yet. No, it took you a long time to respond to that. I went to a very dark place, Matthew, where I started thinking, 
but I hope everything is okay. I hope he's not dead or somebody in his family hasn't died. I went as far as to type in your name and Hilliard, Ohio, and just to see what would pop up like an automobile <laughs> like a accident police. or a police report or something. Well, uh, and nothing came up. And so then I'm like, oh, best. I'm telling this to my wife, telling her that I'm concerned. And he's like, she's like, well, why don't you call him? And I'm like, I don't want to call him. If something bad has happened and I've texted him and he's not responding to those, he's certainly not going to answer my phone call. So she's like, well, maybe he's not getting your texts. So I emailed you. I'm, hey, man. Hey, man. I'm, What's up? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm practicing. I I'm playing Brad in an upcoming stage play, okay. and in yeah. a very method, I actually get into character and don't respond yeah, okay. to stuff. Okay, it's because usually you respond to me pretty quickly, and so you know I went to a dark place. Well, today honestly I... is because I was still asleep. Oh, okay. I, I was up really late last night just working on stuff. So, all right. And the last thing you said was uh, D Day themed bathroom. Yeah. So speaking of D Day themed bathrooms, <laughs> right before the podcast started. Um, we had, we had dinner as a family or we didn't have dinner as a family. The family had, had already eaten and Jen came upstairs and I, I wrecked our, our bathroom that's off of the master bedroom. Uh huh. And by the time the, you can actually, I am the other side of the upstairs. It's, it's, it's creeped all the way into the loft. <laughs> it's, uh, you, you wrecked the booth, huh? Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's go ahead and move on. I would get this one. Okay. I, I don't know if you will. I believe you've seen this film. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure you've seen this film. But I have three clips just in case. Mm-hmm. It, but it, it's very short. It's very short. Play it again. No idea. Okay, here is the middle one. Oh, is that from Die Hard? Nope. Okay. Sounds the music almost sounds like the Godfather. All right. But here here's the reveal. Mr. Kersey, we just got some news about your daughter. How is she? <laughs> oh, God. It's from this film. Yes, yeah, from Death Wish 2. Okay. When she <laughs> she leaps out the window. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which we'll talk about that when we get to it. So I can't believe you found that funny. That's I'm a little disturbed that you were you found that funny. It'll make a little bit more sense when we talk about it. Okay. So ready for the movie itself? Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if you remember, but even last week I said I was I was excited about my my bed for this week. All right. So I'll see what you think of it. You you definitely should know the song at least. He's had a run of bad luck in New York and in LA. Thugs killed his cleaning lady. Architects gonna make them pay. 
He likes killing bad guys Goes out blue his hat Most times he'll use a pistol In a pinch of baseball bat He'll design a building and go hunting in night He'll hide out in a shanty town and go search out a fight What's wrong? He makes seems right It's weird Killing the bad guys Parker's is a vigilante Doctor fell on some spice Chris is a vigilante He has a sweet dick proof And his tricks a news reporter They said override Chris is a vigilante It's weird Chris is a vigilante It's weird Chris is a vigilante Okay, Death Wish was released on February 19th, 1982. It was written by David Engelbach and directed by Michael Winner. Engelbach is best known for Over the Top, and Michael Winner is best known for Death Wish, Death Wish 2, and Death Wish 3. And having, start- a song, and ha- having a song written about him in Boogie Nights. <laughs> You're a winner! Oh, okay. I was. You got the touch? Um <laughs> Yeah, you got the touch. That's from the Transformers movie. I know it is. Uh, but it's Charles, Charles Charles Bronson, best known for Betamax Rewind classic Death Hunt. Jill Ireland, best known for enjoying mustache rides. Vincent Gardinia, best known for Skin Deep. Ben Frank, best known for one of Doug's favorite movies, Manhunter. Robin Sherwood, best known for Tourist Trap. And Lawrence Fishburne, best known for winning the Larry Flint Father of the Year Award. It grossed $16 million on an $8 million budget. 10% of that budget was for mustache wax. It has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 33 with critics and 44 with audiences. Now, I know you did not see this in the theater. I did not see this in the theater. <clears throat> I've never seen a Death Wish film. And now you have. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I had never seen this before two months ago when I watched it for the first time. I'd never seen the movie before this one until three or four days ago, or actually a week ago. I have seen the Bruce Willis remake of Death Wish, though, which was and not how good. Was the, it wasn't good? No? Uh, I mean, it was It was what it was, I guess. Kind of like Death Wish. Exactly. Did you know that Charles Bronson um, almost had the lead on a very prominent television show? No, I didn't. Where's Otis? He's not in his cell. I shot him. Well, that's... What?! Now I'm going down to Emmett's fix-it shop to fix Emmett. It's been a hot yeah, minute since we had a Family Guy clip. Actually, that's actually a Simpsons clip. Oh, is it really? Yes. Yeah. It was going to be the Charles Bronson show instead of the Andy Griffith show. But this is a Golan Globus production. We've done several of those. Between that and the fact that it was in 4.3, definitely means that it's going to be quality. Was it 4.3? Yes. How did I not... It probably stretched on whatever device that you watched on. Okay, I watched it on my iPad. So yeah, it was probably stretched. But we are treated with a cityscape. It is very smoggy, and there's kind of funky music. And I forgot to mention, do you know who did the score for this film? (laughs) Jimmy Page. I was shocked. There are some songs in there where I'm like, yeah, that definitely sounds like the opening of a Zeppelin song. Uh, And then some of the music was just god-awful. The opening of this movie, it reminded me of one or two things with the credits and the way that the music was. Either a corporate training film or an 80s porn film. See, I was thinking an 80s uh, 
like after school special. <laughs> okay. But the the music, the incidental music, the score for the first half is really kind of dodgy, and it seems to get better in the second half. Uh huh. But it has the same director as as the first film. But the movie actually opens up with a radio clip that gives statistics about violence in L.A. This is KABC Radio. I'm Jerry Nichols. Latest crime statistics released today show an alarming rise in violence. In the last five years, homicides in Los Angeles County are up 79%. Robberies are up 68%. Aggravated assault, another violent crime, shows an increase of 59%. Rapes have increased 61%, and lesser crimes are up too. And that actually introduces us to Jerry, who is played by Jill Ireland, who is uh, Charles Bronson or Mr. Kersey's girlfriend. And she is a news reporter for the local radio station. And that's his wife in real life. Yes. And he, the only the one condition of her being in this film was that she wouldn't get raped. And if the music that was underneath that radio clip, that almost sounded lethal weapony. Mm hmm. But, uh, we find out that he's the architect for this radio, this new building that the radio station is building. Yes. Yeah, he's at home with his maid. Uh, and, and she's like, oh, Mr. Kersey, more pledge. No, no. <laughs> but the, she doesn't like the radio station. And he goes, that's not my radio station. Are we going to be doing lots of Charles Bronson imitations? Here? I am not. I, I, I don't have a – I don't have – a, a thing in my head of a Charles a nasally, Bronson. A nasally, a nasally voice like that? He seems very saying? apathetic to <clears throat> stuff that happens. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, she died. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. The, they talk briefly about his daughter. And as I talked about last week with Death Wish, his daughter was assaulted in the first film when his wife was killed and she ended up in the nut hut. And she's still mute. Is this the same girl? That it is. Was in it's the a different one? actress. It's a different actress. Okay. Yes. And then uh, Jerry pulls up, and she has a nice car. Do you know what kind of car that is? <sighs> was that a Mustang? It's a Corvette. It's a Corvette. And they they get in his car and they go for a drive. And I'm assuming you watched the regular version of this, correct? I didn't realize there was an unregular version of this. Well, there was a director's cut that has a few extra scenes. Really? Yeah. And this next clip is actually from the director's cut, so you probably haven't heard this. Is, this is before they go to meet his daughter at the Nut Hut, when they're driving in, in her car. She's driving. Pull between all these cars. What's saying there? Yeah, well, I'm Make sure there's nobody around. It looks like it's just me and you. I feel your hands on my dick again. I want you to make it hard again. And now it's time for Name That Porn Star. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> gotta blow the dust off that one. Um, Who would that be? Is that Nina Hartley and Tom Bryan? This should be an easy one. This should be a layup for you. Well, the audio quality was yeah, the, not very is good. the best I could find. All right, it's a uh, Montana Fishburn. Oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't even know that was her name. Yeah, I had to look that up. All right. 
But they, they go to see the daughter at the Nut Hut, and she has said a few words five weeks running. And I don't know if you caught this, but mention, several times they mention when the events in New York happened. At this so point, two, they say it was two years. Yeah, yes. And it's been eight years in real time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, later, I, I caught, I they actually that. refer to it as five years ago. <laughs> yeah. But he asks, uh, he asks the doctor, will she ever come back to me? And he's kind of treating his daughter like a child, which I, I don't know. How do you treat somebody that is mentally incapacitated? I, I don't well, know. I'll, I'll tell you what you do. You, you, take her, you take her on a walk with some kites. <laughs> and she's looking at the kites and she likes them. And then he's like, hey. Go pick out a glass kitty cat. <laughs> yeah, they're at a fair. Yes, and then buy her some ice cream. That's how you treat her. But she looks like she's high, which I guess is probably, she's probably heavily medicated. On some Thorazine and all kinds of other things, yeah. And he's going to go with the ice cream, and she can choose whatever she wants from this table. And there's a bunch of street thugs that are checking out Paul. And Yeah, just him. Nobody else. <laughs> They want the toughest looking guy. <laughs> they want to fuck with the toughest looking guy there. And well, Paul, to, to the the thugs' credit, Paul is just has like a wad of money in his hands. <laughs> and but La- Lawrence, Lawrence, I was going to say Larry Lawrence Fishburne is among them. They take his money and his wallet, and they scatter. And he gives chase. Yeah, he realizes that they they got his wallet, and yes. and he he gets one guy very tropey. Where he gets, he goes down an alley and is stopped by a, a chain link fence. Right. Mm-hmm. What does he pull? He pulls out a switchblade. Yes. Paul grabs a box, and the guy stabs the box, which then the, the knife gets stuck in the box. He throws the box. Where's my wallet? Guy doesn't Not have here. it. <laughs> yeah. So he picks up the knife, tosses it, and then just walks away. Goes back to his daughter and Jerry, and he lies about forgetting his wallet, and then. In the, the next scene, they're at a boat. Who is the guy on the boat? A senator. He's oh, a senator. That's the senator? Yes. Because the senator is the the person that she leaves because she has to go interview them. I thought that that was the senator. At first, I thought that was her husband, but he doesn't show up at the funeral. I don't know. I don't know who. Some guy's got a fucking boat. Yeah. But Jerry knows that he's lying because he never forgets anything. The girlfriend, Jerry is interviewing a senator, so she has to go, and Paul joins them on the boat, and Jerry leaves. And the hoods now show up at Paul's place in a hugs and kisses van. Yes. And uh, Rosario, the housekeeper, is making dinner and cleaning. Lawrence Fishburne is getting high, and there are five of them. There are five of these thugs. Yes. And they're planning on breaking in, and the housekeeper is done cooking, so she goes to sit down and watch some TV, and she misses a guy that walks right behind her, the window that's right next to her. And I didn't realize that, that that's, that's Rafter Man from Full Metal Jacket. Yes. There's a bunch yeah. of, hey, it's that guy's. Right. And the doorbell rings, and the guy says he has a delivery for Mr. Kersey. She isn't sure. And then some guys break in the back door, then the front, and they take the phone off the hook, and they turn off the TV. <laughs> I don't know why they turn off the TV. Well, it's when you get busy raping somebody, I guess you can't have that background noise. Okay, so there's a couple of different types of movies that make me very uncomfortable. Okay. Um, one being where children are hurt or abducted or murdered. Don't like that at all. Uh, and then movies with rape. Um, 
Ugh, that's just it makes me very uncomfortable to watch that, and it happens a couple of times. It happens three times in this movie, and it, they are starting to do whatever to the housekeeper, and she's crying. And one of the thugs warns her, "Lady, you disturb the neighbors, and I cut you into little pieces. I need you for dinner." I she probably figures she's dead either way. I would think that her first instinct would be just to fight no matter what. Yeah. But there's actually a a fight amongst the thugs. What is the fight over? As to who goes first? Yeah. Who, yeah. Who, again, who, again, seconds. Uh, again, this goes back to Full Metal Jacket where there's a whore in that and they have a discussion about who goes first. And she doesn't want the black guy because he's too big. Right. No Pure album a black snake, yeah. Yeah, no boom boom with Soul Brother. <laughs> but the guy who Paul disarmed in the alley is just kind of looking out the window and he's, he's trying to like fluff himself up. (laughs) Just grabbing his dick as he's looking out the window and he wants revenge for what Paul did to him. What was it that Paul did to him? He disrespected him. Yeah. Just humiliated him. I guess you can't, you can't have that kind of disrespect on the street, but a Lawrence Fishburne actually wants it a special way from the housekeeper. All right. Now lady, quiet. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> well, he wants to. He, he he's he's basically looking for a blowjob. That's kind of what I got from that. Okay, I I have no idea. But Paul and the daughter come back, and Jen at this point says, "Isn't this what happened to him in the first film?" <laughs> yeah. What are the odds that it would happen to him twice? Hey, have you seen Die Hard? <laughs> right. And Die Hard Two. But the daughter has what I refer to a crystal pussy from the fair. Yeah, she's got the little glass crystal kitty cat. And they go in. Paul gets taken out pretty quickly. Yeah, one blow to the back of the head with a pistol. And the housekeeper is still alive, and she goes for the phone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then they knock her out, and we... We've got Bush. Oh, hell pie. <sighs> yeah. Um, they take the daughter. They pile in the van and they take off. And Jerry's interviewing the center. We just catch the the tail end of the interview. And he has this as kind of his closing statement. There is only one truth about the use of the death penalty. Why do we kill people who kill people to show that killing is wrong? And I know we generally stay away from political stuff Mm -hmm. on this podcast. I mean, well, as you said, we will dip our toe in. Do you have any feelings, like strong feelings or soft feelings or whatever they happen to be about the death penalty? I'm kind of neutral because I'm either I'm sort of for it and I'm, I'm also sort of against it. The idea that you're executing somebody, people get incarcerated wrongly all the time. Sure. And yeah. and to execute somebody wrongly that's tough and, and, and you want to know what really made me start thinking about that what movie uh i can't come up with a joke right now no the, the green mile okay yeah but i mean if you're a real piece of shit there's there's no point in Paying for your a long incarceration, although most people who are on death row are on death row for like twenty years. Because it costs more to keep somebody on death row than it does. Yeah, 
Yeah. But all I, the, I think all for the, all the appeal processes, someone like Dahmer or the Oklahoma City bomber, people where there's no ambiguity of whether or not they did it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think in that in those cases, I can I can strongly say, yeah, I I support it. And you you kind of hit it on the head where it comes to how many people have been wrongfully incarcerated for something they had nothing to do with. And I think that that's kind of what it is. It's not whether they were found guilty or not. It is whether or not it is 100% sure that they did it. Yeah. It can't be like, oh, there's not a lot of cases where that's 100%, but there are cases where it is 100%. Yeah, they obviously did it. Oh, we have this little bit of DNA evidence that proves that they're guilty to the gas chamber. You know, it, it can't be something like that. But, but this next this next clip is the thugs hanging out at their hideout or wherever it is that they're hanging out. And kind of one of the only reasons why I pulled it is because there's a cat meowing. Okay. And and I'm pretty sure they use the same soundtrack twice. Nirvana. Why are we gonna stay here? Oh, it's nice here. Yeah, we got a nice little lady. What are we gonna do? Waste it. She's seen us. She can finger us all. I, I don't think that's how it works. The man saw me twice up close. Oh, man. We look all the same to Whitey anyway. <laughs> He'll never pick you out, Jiva. <laughs> Could overlay those. <laughs> yeah, you, you catch the same soundtrack of the cat twice. Yeah. Yeah. But one guy, is, she's kind of lying there. And one guy spreads her legs and pulls down her panties. And, well... We know what happens. We don't see what happens, but we know what happens. But before the infamous death scene where we go back to Paul's house and Jerry comes. And at first I thought that they were living together, but obviously not. Um, She's ringing the doorbell. Well, her her key doesn't work at first, which I don't understand why her key doesn't work. Because she tries her key and her having a key and her key working or not is a running thing through this film. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but she she does get inside. She sees, or no, Paul wakes up. When she rings the doorbell, inside. yeah. Yeah, she sees the maid. Does she throw up? Uh, I don't know. Or does she does she puke in her mouth a little bit? Probably. But um, she's dead, and he finds the glass kitty cat on the floor. Oh, he doesn't find it. No, that comes up in a little bit. A, a cop finds it and gives it to him. Okay, maybe we just see it. We see the Yeah, we see it, yeah. We see it, okay. And then we go back to the warehouse, and for some reason, this rape was sponsored by Pabst Blue Ribbon, because there's this giant 15-foot-long Pabst Blue Ribbon banner on the inside (laughs) of this warehouse. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, he gets done. She's just expressionate. She is a blank slate. Yes, she is. But um, when he gets done, she takes off and just... Picks a random window to jump out of. Okay. And you know, I, I talked about how that happens when she, yeah. she jumps out the window and lands on the spikes. First of all, she very likely would have been dead, or if not dead, crippled spikes or no spikes. Mm-hmm. Because that was, I think, a third floor. She goes through glass window. Onto like a hard surface, she's definitely going to have broken legs. Sure, but 
when it happened, Jen was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I was not expecting that at all. And and it's a shame that it happened too, because based on that distance she covers, she probably could have gotten to the Olympics in the long jump. <laughs> okay. But the police are there. and at- So hold on a second. I, I remember as a kid, my dad telling me the story of this guy that he knew whose son was jumping over a fence and uh, similar to that and didn't clear it and it went up his b-hole he got impaled and it chewed up his inside so bad that the, the they had to do surgery in a certain way that um he he didn't he didn't have control over his sphincter so when he pooped if he, he had to like lift his his right leg his right knee okay that would open things up so, i don't know why i remember that i I was probably seven or eight years old when I when my dad told me that, but it always stuck with me. They went to the doctor. One one in a million shot, doc. One in a million shot. <laughs> yeah. But we're back at. But the detective is talking to him. Right, the, Paul's apartment. Paul's, yes, and Paul he says you didn't really give great descriptions of these guys, and he's like, well, I I got knocked out. And he didn't – at this point, I'm at in my notes, it says he obviously didn't tell of the previous incident in the alley or at, at, with the ice cream stand. Right. Yeah. He kept that to himself. Yeah, he's holding yeah. back information. But the, the detective somehow but already the cop knows, knows about that what happened in New York. What happened? Yes. And to Paul's defense, he says a, a good description didn't help in New York. And th- that's when the detective hands him the crystal cat and says one of our one of our people found this and jerry is like hey i'm kind of bored can we get out here and go back to my place yeah can we go back to my place right and then <laughs> he had asked the the detective if there was any news of his daughter and then somebody comes up and says hey we have some news on your daughter and he says how is she and they respond with not great bob I don't yeah. think that they would come up and say, <laughs> yeah, we so have I, news of your, about your daughter if it was that she's dead. <laughs> they would they would yeah. phrase it differently. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sorry to say, sir, but, you know, your daughter is deceased. Yeah, something like that. But, yeah, he has to identify her at the morgue. Now he's now we're back at Jerry's place. He can't sleep, and he's he's got the glass kitty cat in his hand. And the next day. Then we go, then we go to, a, then we go, I don't know if it's the next day. Well, time moves really quick later. in this film because the news reports are somebody gets murdered and it's on the news in like 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. All right. But they're at her funeral. Um, Paul's boss comes and is talking to him and he says, take your time on the new building. And then Paul thanks him for allowing him to have the use of his private cabin on the lake or by the river. Right. And now we're at the cabin and he's chopping wood. I don't think he really thought this through very well because he's chopping wood right on the edge of the river and half of the wood is going into the river. (laughs) Well, as he's chopping the wood, he's just getting angrier and angrier. And in my notes, it says the music is very shitty (laughs) because this is all very movie of the week, uh, after school special uh, uh, training video, as you had mentioned, type music so far. But this follows the the track of the first film where he goes back to work very, very quickly 
And he has very, very little emotional reaction to what happened to him. But he he goes back home. He puts the, the crystal cat on the TV. And now he's back at work. And he's looking at different types of buildings. And then they go to the radio station. And he's showing different mock-ups of building types to, like, the owner. And Yeah, there's concrete and plaster and wood. Each one has a varying price of, of what it costs. And... And maybe this is my own thing, but I know it's the second time he's done it, but I just have a hard time seeing Charles Bronson as this serious architect. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's, he's, he looks like Why, a rough and tumble I, guy. Is it, is it because I have a mustache? <laughs> yeah. At least to the problem. There's, movie, there's movies that he doesn't have a mustache. I don't think he has a must. I don't think he had a mustache in Death Hunt. Did he have a mustache? I think he did. Uh, the Dirty Dozen, he does not. The Dirty Dozen, he does not have a mustache. But who else is at the radio station? Mm. Jerry. Mm. His girlfriend. Oh, yep. There's the Jerry is there welcoming him back, but he's not ready for socializing. Yeah. She doesn't even know that he's cop, back. <laughs> yeah. Then the cops show up and they want him to go down to the station and look at some mug shops. And he doesn't want to. Yeah, it's no yeah, use because everything everything happened too fast. And so we go back to Paul's place at his apartment. Where does he hide his gun and bullets? A little secret compartment, a little secret compartment in his closet under his shoes. Yeah, and he he apparently is going out hunting. And what is he wearing as he's going out hunting? A sport coat and tie. Yeah, he's wearing basically a suit. Yeah. And he's at, uh, it's not actually a Wendy's, but it, it's, it's kind of a Wendy's type restaurant. No, it's, it's an, in, I think it's an In-N-Out burger. Is it really? I think so. Well, that's a Wendy's I, type restaurant. Okay. Okay. But he's but, looking at different groups of thugs. He's trying to find these guys. He stands out though, it, like a sore thumb because of how he's dressed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, outside a laundromat, some guys are breaking into a car and then he goes into a thrift store and he goes into uh, a shady bathroom that is the nastiest bathroom that you could that the the bathroom and train spotting could rival that 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 toilet. And he changes clothes, and the music is a little bit better now. And we get the first instance of something that happens a couple times in this film that I thought was actually done really well. They do a lot of cool silhouettes mm-hmm. of him being larger than life in shadow on walls as he's walking. But he's got in his new outfit. And he's in a bad part of town. He finds a, a flop house that he can rent. Well, he's walking past. He's like on Rescue Mission Avenue. Yeah. Because there's like three or four rescue missions on this little block. And, and in front of one, there's a pimp that's shaking his hoe. Yeah, there's street preachers, hookers, all kinds mm-hmm. of bums. Yeah. But the, the place that he goes to rent, did you catch what the cost was? 50 bucks a month. And there's no TV, no yeah. music after 10. And no police. The place is a real shithole. Is that the same one from Avenging Angel? Well, there's a lot of things where it's like, yeah, that, that's from Avenging Angel that come up between now and the end of this film. <laughs> yeah. But out on the street, there's a street musician. And then this just ends. But the next day, Jerry goes to his place. And where is he? He's in bed. And she wakes him and she's like, shall I join you? And he's like, no, I, I'm still not ready for any of this. And, but he left his gun out. Yeah, he left his gun out. And But 
this is the first time, and I don't remember this from the first film, that I find find Paul Kersey as a character to be suspect. How so? He's wearing pajamas. <laughs> there you go. All right. But uh, he hides the gun. He goes into the bathroom and turns on the shower, and he's like, oh, I, I, I'm going to be a while. You probably don't want to stick around. Yeah, he's just blowing her off, and she's attractive. Well, yeah. And I think she's like 20 years his, his junior in real life. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, but she leaves, and he goes back out, and he calls a lock place. He wants his locks changed. And I'm thinking, Jerry's going to be pissed because the bad guys don't have a key to his place. She's or do the only they? Per- or, or do they? Did they grab a key? Did they grab his key? We don't uh, know. That. Maybe. I suppose we, that, that's we fair. We don't know. We don't know that. But, um, yeah, but he's now back out on the street. He goes to, to the bum hangout. I mean, what, what is he wearing? <sighs> is it like a, a like a stocking cap and a longshoreman jacket or something? Yeah, and, and, and gloves, and it reminded me a lot of this. Hey, hey, easy with that. That's my lucky stabbing hat. <laughs> it's, it's, it's his hunting clothes. <laughs> but he's watching a bunch of Hare Krishnas. And once again, goes back to Avenging Angel. Yeah. And uh, yeah. bonfires, yeah. shitty area. And yes. Jerry is calling Paul from her place, and she's all dressed up. And Paul has located some of the bad guys. Specific- one of the bad, one of the bad guys, the guy who plays Rafter Man, or is there two guys? There's two guys. Is there two guys? Because there's four guys total that come up in this scene. So there's Rafter Man, another guy, and the guy who played Rafter Man, he's twirling a pipe, and they go to see some people that just got out of a car, and Paul is following them, and just like an avenging angel, once again, people are riding motorcycles on the sidewalk, just making a ruckus. But now there are four bad guys, two from mm-hmm. the original set that beat up Paul and raped his uh, cleaning lady. And the bad guys sneak through a fence. Paul slips on his murdering gloves and follows, and they're in an abandoned hotel. And what does this abandoned hotel have lots of? Rats. Yeah, I should have had the rats. Yes. You wouldn't have liked it. They're rats, Dad. Yeah. But Paul pulls his gun out, and not just, I said lots of rats, Paul pulls his gun out, lots of fucking rats. Yeah. And he's being very careful not to step on it. Yes, he is. I noticed that when he comes down the stairs, he, his, his foot threads the needle of two different rats. But, okay, so he can avoid these moving animals, but he can't move a still soda can. <laughs> yeah. But what is the, the deal with the bad guys? They're doing a drug deal. Yeah, it's uh, they're buying some Bolivian marching powder. Yeah, and he kicks a can by accident, which alerts them. He shoots one of the bad guys in the chest. This is one of the guys that was part of the original crew. Yes. And he tells the other two to leave. The two not drug you, dealers. Not you, and then you have a clip. Well, before I clip, that that's kind of dumb. He has two guys, granted they're drug dealers, mm-hmm. that have seen him. He's not wearing... You know, a mask. But, yeah, but they're not they're not going to go to the cops and go, uh, we were in the middle of this drug deal, and then this guy came and, and killed two guys. But Paul notices that Rafter Man is wearing a huge crucifix. You believe in Jesus? Yes, sir. Well, you're going to meet him. Okay, so on YouTube, there was um, Charles Bronson's top ten lines. Okay. 
that was number one, the one that you just played. But I thought this one should have been number one. I'd like to shove this up your ass, but I don't want to dirty my hands. That's half of what I say to Jen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> or Jen says to me, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> it all works. But Paul shoots Rafterman through his hand. <laughs> Yeah, through his chest. And then there's some bad death acting. And then he shoots him one more time for bad measure or for a good measure. For good measure. Yes. And Paul goes back to the flop house and he's putting on his murdering gloves again and he's duct taping the gun up underneath the armoire. Yes. I I don't know if that's high class enough to actually refer to it as an armoire, but (laughs) Uh, a wardrobe. (laughs) He's taping it underneath the wardrobe. There you go. But Paul goes home. There's a party going on outside. It's a neighbor's birthday. And they invite him to the party, and he declines. And Jerry calls as he turns on the TV, and he answers. And he says he's been in all night. And he's, why hasn't he been answering the phone? Oh, the newspapers keep calling. That's a legit I just don't thing. Want to talk to him. You know, sure it is. But she wants to cook for him uh, tomorrow night. And he says Friday will would be better. I, I have some murdering to do tomorrow. I have some more, some more murdering to do. Yes, but now we see him. He's driving down the boulevard. Wait, 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 wait. You're missing something that's kind of important because I've talked about this before. Right after this, there's a news report about the ki- the killings that he just did. Ah, all right. I mean, it is like the the news people are Johnny on the spot in this film. It well, is, this is super, this is, super quick. It's L.A., but now can I, can I talk about him driving down the boulevard now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and it's about as crowded there as it was in New York City. And, in Highlander? In Highlander. <laughs> and uh, Angel peeks in his car at a stoplight. Uh-huh. But he yeah. goes back to his flop house and there's... It's funny that you say flop house because that's exactly what I call it well, in my notes. Uh, see if you have the same problem I have that's coming up in just a second here. He doesn't have his hat right now, but in his room, he's being very, very careful not to touch anything with his hands, except his gun, the tape... <laughs> <laughs> the i know i'm not supposed to call it a clip but he's touching all these things with his hands except he did not want to touch like the lamp or the door handle right, right. yeah but out in an arcade he's he's dressed to kill and paul hears a scream and goes down an alley um goes into a parking lot and there's a husband and a wife that are being rousted i guess rousted yeah they're being fucked oh. up whatever yeah. Okay. And the guy's being held, and his wife is going to get raped in the van. Uh, Paul kills two of them, but one of them gets away, and the husband just kind of gets shot by not friendly fire, but he is a bystander that gets shot more or less because the bad guy is trying to shoot at Paul and accidentally shoots the husband. Well, he has he has the woman as the shield. Um, titties out. Titties out. Yep. And I think. Paul shoots him in the ass. Yeah, shoots him. It's either in the ass or the high thigh. All right. And Paul goes over and he grabs a gun that one of the bad guys dropped by the van. And then what is there for Paul to follow? Well, there's a blood trail. And that dude goes into the building. He's got a gun. Um, Paul's kind of standing there in front of some some crates. Well, Paul, as he's walking, he's not hiding at all. He's like just... And this guy is hiding behind crates. If he had a gun, he easily could pick off Paul because he's just standing there. Yeah. And the guy throws a bottle for distraction. Yes. And then busts through the crates with 
a tractor forklift is it a forklift i, I don't it didn't look like a forklift to me it happened so fast but um paul shoots him in the arm or no paul gets shot in the arm uh, somebody gets shot in the arm i don't know okay, who. it's not paul yet paul isn't hurt yet all right it, but it is the guy that paul took the knife from earlier Yes, because we have a flashback of that. And Paul says goodbye and kills him. And then uh, the cops are there, and it's specifically the um, detective, the, the L.A. detective, because that's important because there's another detective that actually will show up mm-hmm. um, soon. But I had a clip. Your clip's a little bit longer. The cop is talking to the, the wife that had her titties out and the guy that got shot. Okay, that's weird. What? Um, that one thing. Hold on, once. Give me one second. Sorry. Let me get this straight. Some guy pops up out of nowhere. He starts shooting, and you and your wife don't know what he looks like. That guy saved our lives. Damn it! Where the hell were you guys giving out parking tickets? Hold on. All right, ladies. What did he look like? He was, uh, he was a very good citizen. That's what he was. He was a killer. Now you want to stay here forever? Why is that way? You're vital witnesses. Now don't play games with me. You both saw him. Now I want the description. He's 21. Blonde with a club foot. It's funny. From where I was, he was a large black man with a red beard. Now, you let these guys get me to the hospital, or I'm going to give the press interviews you won't believe. Take it. Yeah, and, and that right there is kind of, in a nutshell, why, especially the first one of these films, was very, very popular. Because it felt like it was giving a voice or power to the people that were victims of these crimes. Because the cops were being so ineffective of being able to, you know, take, bring the crime rate down. And it Mm -hmm. was somebody, and it comes up in a clip I have in a little bit of why what happened in New York mattered. But the next day, uh, the police commissioner is talking to the detective that we just saw in that scene. And the commissioner is talking about how his wife is in a class about using mace. Yeah, I didn't know you needed to take an entire, like, three-week class how to use mace. Well, I could see if it was a mace, not mace. Right. Because, you know, a mace can really, really hurt somebody if you swing it the wrong way. (laughs) That's right. But they're worried about the press if they start an investigation. So they're just going to kind of lay off of it. And then is it the commissioner or the detective that asks about the one in New York? No, ask about the one in Boston. And it's like, actually, it was New York. It was five years ago. And that's when we we cut to New York and we get our first appearance of a guy who actually was in the first film. Well, what about this report? You've uh... well, I know. The Los Angeles police has asked for advice of their vigilante situation. But uh, there's something else you should know, sir. Paul Kersey now lives in Los Angeles. You suggesting that Kersey's out there killing again? Paul Kersey was an interesting man. So I kept a loose tab on him. He worked in Chicago for a while, where he met an old friend of his who ran a radio station in L.A. And uh, 
He transferred his business out there. But that doesn't mean that he's the Los Angeles vigilante. <coughs> no, sir. But Christ, what if he is? Yes, sir. If he is, and if he's caught, the trail leads straight back to us. We had him and we didn't prosecute. For damn good reason. Street crime was down 50%. Muggers were afraid to go out on the streets. Never mind that, Commissioner. We know we'd have a martyr on our hands if we brought him to trial. But the fact is, we let him go. If he's caught now, he'll tell the world we let him go. I'd be disbarred to the end of your career, Mr. Commissioner. And you, Inspector, would not collect your pension. And I retired this year. Well, it's quite simple. We have to get him before they get him. We? Yeah, he, he's getting too old for this shit. <laughs> okay, how many people did, did Paul kill in the first one? A dozen? Uh, according to this movie, nine. I, I thought it was six. Okay, so in a, in a city of 10 million, muggers were scared to come out because of one guy that killed six people. Yeah, there's a 50% drop in street crime. Find that incredibly hard to believe. <laughs> right, right. And then, so the the other cop that comes, eventually comes to LA. That's, he has that's a the guy that was talking that scene. Yeah, he has a cold. Oh, he no, he had the same thing in the first film. Oh, he did? Yes. Okay. That, All right. That's so a it's running kind of, bit. Yeah. A, a running bit. Okay, because I was trying to like, okay, this is going to come up where he's hiding and he sneezes and it's going to blow his cover. No, it, it, it was the same thing. And apparently it's fucking long, long COVID because it was two <laughs> long, years or five years ago <laughs> that he had long, this originally. Yeah. All right. But he's walking the street looking for at more thugs again. Uh, that's a real quick scene. But then the L.A. cop welcomes the New York cop in the diner, mentions that he's got a cold. Uh, now they're at the cop shop. And the the L.A. cop says, you're not holding out on me. Uh, and the New York cop says, would I do a thing like that? I, I don't know you, sir. Maybe you would. But now Jerry shows back up at the, at the apartment, at Paul's apartment. No, that's her apartment. Oh, it's, oh, that's right. It's, it is her apartment. Yes. And who is there? Uh, the detective from New York. And yeah. he is asking about Paul. And I have a clip for that. Mr. Paul Kersey. How do you know it? It comes with, with the job. He killed nine people in New York City four years ago. You're not serious. I'm very serious. <laughs> At this point, Jen said, you could act better than most of the people <laughs> in this film. Yeah. But... Yeah. There's another shadow shot, and I don't know why, but apparently something happened here because I said that Jimmy Page did a half-assed job. But a hooker... oh, that's in my notes here too. Paul back on the street. Jimmy Page music sucks. <laughs> but a hooker propositions Paul and then accuses him of having no dick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Paul is back at his place, and Jerry is trying to get in, and her key doesn't work. And he says, "Where do you think I've been?" And what is her response? Killing muggers. Which you're, you're, no, he, he goes, you're crazy. <laughs> she says that a New York cop broke into my place tonight. And if you weren't killing them, why would you ask them not to? And he has this explanation. Listen, when a policeman finds a killer, what does he do? They arrest him. Well, he did seem a bit odd. Not only odd, the guy is crazy. It's that simple. He had a moment in his life when he was uh, somebody. He was in charge of the vigilante killings in New York. 
He was all over the newspapers, the television, asked a lot of questions. And the most important question they asked him was, who is the vigilante? Have you found the vigilante? And of course he hadn't. And me, I was one on a long list of people who had family killed by the muggers. For all I know, he might have accused every one of them. But he became such a damn pest that I left New York. But I'll be damned if I leave Los Angeles. I'm not going to let him come between you and me. So that last line he had was totally ADR. You could tell because the sound mm-hmm. quality completely changed. Yeah. yeah. But but then she asks him to she asks him to spend the night. Well, he's been blowing her off, and his excuse, his rationale, this the little speech he just gave is actually pretty yeah, smart. Brilliant. Brilliant. And brilliant. Yeah. He, he's been blowing her off, so he's going to throw her a sympathy bang to kind of throw yeah. her off the scent. And this is how Charles Bronson snuggles. Hey, Charles Bronson's wife. Scooch over. I want to cuddle. Mmm, that's nice. <laughs> that had to that's, have been The Simpsons as well. That, no, that's the family guy. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but outside her place, uh, the I refer to him as the old detective and the new detective, but the New York City detective is watching. And then the next day she asks, they're driving around, and she asks if she gets a new key. And she says that she can't see him tonight because she has some kind of party she has to go to, which kind of makes him happy because it gives him a chance to go out and do some killing. <laughs> do some do some murder and some bad guys. But the the is it the New York cop calls another cop? The New York cop him, calls a reporter, a, a local oh, reporter. Is that who that is? Yeah. Okay. And asks him to park it outside of Paul's house. Um, Paul goes out, the cop is following, the New York cop is following in a different car. Once again, more shadow work. He goes out the back door and the old detective is following him, but he's following him about 20 feet behind Paul. (laughs) Yeah, not very far at all. And uh, what does Paul do? Uh, He gets on a bus. The detective sees that, he stops a car. He flags the car down. Hey, police business, follow that bus. And he is a New York cop. Even as an L.A. cop, that holds no weight. But as mm-hmm. a New York cop, I mean, if, if an L.A. cop tried to do that in New York, New Yorkers would just be fuck off. <laughs> right. But now we're back on Skid Row or whatever the you want to call house. it, Mission District. More street preachers and Paul is back at the flop house. The detective sees a light goes on. So now he knows the room that he's in. So I'm figuring his lack of fingerprint etiquette or you know carefulness is going to come into play but no he's he's changing into his killing clothes and then the detective hails a cab as paul comes out and he gets on a bus Mm -hmm. and then paul gets off a bus and the cab stops and paul has found the rest of the crew that he hasn't killed yet the remaining uh three guys and where are they at I call it a bandstand. I don't know what it's, you call yeah, it. Yeah, like it's, it's like a little festival stage. And they're, they got their boombox and they're dancing. And this includes uh, Lawrence Fishburne and his stupid Back to the Future 2 glasses. Yes. Three dudes dancing together. Just a wee bit gay. <laughs> but the three bad guys, they go in there bothering people at the bus stop. And they get on the bus. Paul follows. And I'm thinking, the bad guys, would they recognize Paul? <sighs> Maybe. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne was high. But, okay, I, I mean, I don't know how tight their crew is, but several of their friends have gotten smoked recently. Yeah. I would think they'd was, maybe be a little bit on high alert. 
I was thinking the same thing that, yeah, they would be on high alert. Um, oh, oh, okay. So yeah, the New York cop is, oh, he, the New York cop gets in a cab uh-huh. and the cab driver's like, I hope you got bread for this. And he goes, this is police business. I got, a, cab yeah, driver, I got a clip for this. Oh, actually. you do? Yeah. <laughs> I ain't known for my community spirit. Show me some money. Here, start with this. Go ahead, will you? Yeah. And on the bus, uh, the bad guys are being dicks, and one guy is harassing a nurse, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne has a boombox. The nurse gets off the bus, but the bad guys and Paul don't. And they're smoking a joint on the bus. Mm-hmm. And... One guy starts spray painting, which is a callback to the first film, because that happened in the first film. All right. And Paul is pretending... You fell asleep? ...to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and the bad guys get off the bus and go into a park. The cab is there, and the bus actually starts leaving, and Paul per- pulls the emergency stop, I think, mm-hmm. and then jumps out and gives chase, and the cab pulls up and stops, and the New York cop wants to know where they are. What's down there? Point Furman. What's that? Uh, it's one of those historical monuments. There's nothing there this time of night. You wait here. You get the other half when I get back. Whatever happens, wait here. If you hear shooting, don't worry. It's just target practice. That last part makes no sense. <laughs> if there's gunfire, I'd say, if you hear gunfire, call the cops. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, this poor cab driver, what What do you think that was, a 20 or a 50? Probably a 20. 20 and a half. That's 20 bucks that, that cab driver's never going to get. Yeah. But uh, Paul is sneaking down a hill, and the bad guys have a car, and there's actually other bad guys there. And this is apparently a weapons buy. Yeah, it's a, a, they're meeting a gun dealer. And um, one of the thugs has a fanny pack. Yes. And what are they paying with? Uh, it's not, is it with drugs? Yeah, they're paying with cocaine. Okay. Or maybe it's PCP or. Could be. Sure. And actually based on. Yeah. Other stuff, it might be PCP. So. Yeah. And the detective sees what's going on. He also sees Paul and he's looking around with his binoculars. And for some reason he looks up a tree. Yeah. The gun dealer has a sniper in place in a tree. And yeah, the lookout spies Paul and the detective calls out to Paul to warn him and the New York detective shoots the guy in the tree and then a firefight breaks out Mm -hmm. and the New York detective buys it. Paul kills one. Then Paul kills Lawrence Fishburne through the boom box. (laughs) Which is awesome because the he he pulls the boom box in front of his face Mm -hmm. and then he shoots through the boom box. The boom box splits in half and he gets shot in the head. And then one guy gets in a car and starts driving uh, Paul shoots another guy, then he shoots the driver, and the car goes off a cliff. And before it even happened, Jen said, that's going to blow up, right? Uh, that's exactly what happened, yes. Goes off a cliff and blows up. It's very tropey. Mm-hmm. So there's one guy left, and he was hiding behind a trash barrel. And he makes a run for it, and he gets away. And Paul goes o- over to the New York detective, and he's surprised at who it is. I'll be damned, you... You stuck your neck out for me? It was you or them. <laughs> Did you get them all? One of them got away. Get the motherfucker for me. 
Father who art in heaven. Stephen to the Slim Jim. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Cops mm-hmm. show up, and 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 Paul runs, and uh, the new detective, the L.A. detective, is there, and he says that he knew the bastard was holding out on him. Yes, but, but there's one thug that's still alive. He's in a gurney. Yes, and the uh, L.A. cop tortures him. <laughs> Right up until when he dies. Yeah. He gives up a guy's name. What is the guy's name? Uh, I don't have that. Nirvana. Oh, that's who it is. Nirvana. And his real name is Charles Wilson. Mm-hmm. But the the bad guy that was being tortured for this information dies because the as they're putting in the ambulance, they say, oh, guess it's no hurry now. And at the radio station, uh, the owner is bitching about the cost of the building because his wife is running up the cost of the building because anytime... Mm-hmm. Any decisions are being made. She's making the decisions, and every decision she's making costs more. And Paul's talking about, well, maybe if we do that, this in this material instead of this material, run it by her, blah, 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 blah. But Paul walks into the news area and kind of gets the information about Nirvana and who he is. And how does he hear that information? Um, some of the salesmen have police monitors. And Paul asks about the police monitors, just, and he just gets a spare one. <laughs> Like, hey, yeah, no problem. Just yeah, go I got another. I got another one of these right here. Yes, but now we're back at the flop house. He's listening as he's driving and listening some more. And um, they have an address for Nirvana. Okay, yes. And the cops are about to take him. And Nirvana's got two bitches. He's got two whores with him. Yep. Yep. And th- oh. there's this whole part. There's no way Paul could do this and not get caught. Yeah. Because yeah. there's. Dozens of cops surrounding this. And he actually, I guess, to his credit, does not go into Nirvana's building. He goes into the building next door and and then jumps over the roof to the other building. Right. But the cops say, we can't get permission to go in until the women leave. And the the very cliche fake surveillance van is there. And he asks the new detective. Hold on. It's a pest control van. (laughs) Okay. It's about people. It's about people. But he asks uh, one of the other guys in there for a heater. And... Paul walks into the building next door, goes up on the roof, jumps across onto that building. And the police saw Paul do this. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, is that one of our guys? Yeah. Uh, the new detective has no idea. And Paul is going door to door, listening to conversations to see if he can actually find Nirvana. And he uh, either finds Nirvana's room or Sean Connery is there. Don't give me that shit. C word, uh-huh. C word, but he comes out with the women and he actually slices uh, Paul's arm. This is where he gets cut. Yes. And Nirvana runs out of the building and he gets tased. Yeah. And it's, it's, this is the 1980s taser, which is like the size of an arrow from a bow and arrow that goes into his chest. But this guy's a badass. He, well, he's probably, he's on PCP. Up. Yeah. Yeah. He yanks that out. Um, he's working the cops over. I mean, it takes many cops to get him down. They finally get him on the ground and subdue him as Paul is watching. Yeah, he's watching yes. from the fire escape. Mm-hmm. And then uh, back at the flop house, Paul is looking at his arm. There's a lot of blood. Yes, there is. And he goes home, he goes in the door, and he's kind of, he's holding his arm gingerly as you would if you got sliced when trying to kill somebody who raped your daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's bleeding through. 
and Jerry has shown up uh, the night after the birthday party, and there's like a newspaper article about the the New York detective being killed. Yeah. News travels fast. It sure does. But Paul is actually bleeding onto the floor. <laughs> He's holding his arm behind his back as blood is just dripping down. And, and maybe you can explain this to me because I could not, I couldn't figure out how this is supposed to work. She shows up, and I'm assuming she shows up planning on whatever they're going to do for the night. But as soon as she walks in, Paul says, let's go out to eat at a nice place. Okay, I need about an hour. And then she leaves and goes back to her place. Right. That does not make any sense to me. It makes sense to the story that gets her out of the house. But, um, yeah, he says, I'll pick you up later. And And the the thing is, it it was already referenced that half of her clothes are at his place. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. He's he's bleeding all over, and then I get guess it is several days or several weeks later in court. The evidence about killing the cop was circumstantial, and he's convicted of resisting arrest, but he was on PCP. So where is he sentenced? He's sentenced to the nut house, right? And Paul is not satisfied with this, and uh, but apparently Jerry has met with the doctor that is treating this guy, that's treating Nirvana. And she says, oh, you know what? Your perspective might change if you talk to him. <laughs> okay. So he's going with her right. to see the doctor that is treating the guy who killed his housekeeper and raped his daughter. Yeah. But uh, Paul needs they, – they they're at the nut hut, and Paul needs to hit the head. And he can't possibly be planning on killing him right now, can he? No. No, he's not. But he goes into a locker room and gets – a name badge off of a lab coat, and you and I could make one of these name badges. Well, he tries three or four lockers first, and it's like, oh, instead of doing that, I'll just take the lab coat that is hanging off yeah. <laughs> that has a badge on it. Uh-huh. And uh, back at home, he's using some whiteout in a Xerox machine. <laughs> to make at, first, at first, I thought he was going to white it out and then write the name over the whiteout. I, I thought he was going to do that, too. Yeah. But he's making himself a new badge, and we uh, it's a couple days or the next day, whatever, and we find out that Jerry's article about um, the death penalty and you know crime and rehabilitation is going to be on the cover of whatever magazine. Mm-hmm. And they're at a restaurant, and what is he ordered? Uh, some Dom Perignon, and he asks her to marry him. And for the second time, she asks, "Are you serious?" And she accepts. And yeah, well, we're gonna go to Acapulco. And get married there. Next Wednesday. Just got a few loose ends to tie up first. <laughs> yep, just a few little things. Yeah. But now he's filling out the name badge. He messes one up and crumples it up and instead of getting it to the garbage can, throws it on the floor. And I honestly thought that we were going to see like the next scene. There's going to be like 40 pieces of crumpled up <laughs> paper on the on the floor. Yeah. But, okay. He goes back to the flop house. Mm-hmm. Why at this point? There's only the one gun. of them left. He's got to get the gun. His gun. Okay, if, if that's the case, how come he's doing the the badge creation at his house instead of uh, at, at the murder house? Well, that that we'll we'll find that out later, won't we? But he actually pulls up to the nut hut at night, and where does he park? Mm, I don't know. He parks in the handicap spot. <laughs> does he really? Yeah. So he's not just a vigilante. And you, sir. Or an asshole. He's an asshole. <laughs> and he walks into the place, no problem. 
And earlier, Jerry had said she's that he's been at the hospital almost as much as her. The people there would recognize him. He is sure not in would. disguise other than having a lab coat. Yes. I mean, maybe shave the dick broom. That's probably the most, you know, specific thing about you. Right. But at at the nurse's station, he finds out where Nirvana is. And this was filmed at the same nut hut where Avenging Angel was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He goes and talks to security. Did you recognize who the security guy was? No. It's Charlie Donovan from Major League. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm okay. like, man, does that guy look familiar? And I'm like, his voice sounds familiar. So, of course, I looked him up. Yeah, he we- he weasels his way in. Um, the security guy shows him the interview room that he's going to be talking to Nirvana, and there's some old electroshock stuff there, which they no longer use because all the therapy now is done with kindness. Right, but... You would think that that's going to be a... Could you tell me where the nuclear vessels are? But it's not really, because what happens is he puts his fist through a thing. <laughs> yeah, I thought that Paul was going to torture him with that. But no, that doesn't. But the, the security guy brings Nirvana into that room. Uh-huh. They fight. He's got a shiv in his in his shoe yep. and st- stabs Paul. They fight some more. And then Nirvana punches through like a glass panel on the electroshock equipment. It looked like the the readout of an EKG. Yeah. Paul turns it on and it looks like they had a blow dryer in front of him blowing his hair back as he's going. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one I thought you said was funny. But the the guard is just waiting at the door and, and Paul sits down and what does the the guard actually say to Paul about this? Not what Paul says to the guard. What does the guard say to Paul? Well, I thought you I thought you had a clip. That's why I didn't write it down. Okay, well, this is what the guard says to Paul because he's a little bit disappointed in him. Don't ever fucking do it again. All right, let's go. Let's get it going. So yes, I did recognize who he was. <laughs> okay. Right. No, but Paul says this to the guard. He raped and killed my daughter. I read about it. I'll give you three minutes till I ring the alarm. You're wasting time. To open the door, you punch out uh, three six hundred. That's right. So Paul picks up his gun on the way out, and how much time did the guard say he'd give before he rang the alarm? Three minutes. 47 seconds. <laughs> All right. And usually movie time is the other way. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. actually, sorry, 42 seconds. Okay. And well, then, we're back at the flop house. He's getting cleaned up. Um, He gets back in his car. There's three guys walking across the street, and he almost hits the first guy. And all three of them kind of punch his hood and bitch at him. It's like, if, if I wasn't in a hurry, I'd kill all of you. <laughs> yes. Did you see what movie was playing at the theater when he was stopped no. there? Excalibur. No. Oh, nice. But Jerry's at Paul's place, and she pulls up in her Corvette, and she has this luggage as Paul's racing home. She lets herself in, and what is she asks about Paul? I don't know what that means, but Paul's stuck in traffic and getting frantic, and he would be getting blood everywhere mm-hmm. because, I mean, he was stabbed like five times. Yeah. And Jerry turns on the radio, and 
she sees some paper on the ground and what is being talked about on the radio uh is this the uh the murder at the nut house yeah yeah <laughs> which happened 45 minutes ago uh-huh and she she sees that the paper is from when paul was making the fake id for the nut hut and she takes the engagement ring off and puts it on the crumpled up paper gets in her corvette and drives off was she just going to leave her corvette on the street when they went to Acapulco. I, I guess so. With with the the top down. Yeah. But just unless they were unless they were going to drive her car to the airport. Yeah, I don't think you want to leave that no. car at the airport. But just as she leaves, Paul pulls up and he runs into the building, and then there is a news report. KABC Radio News for Tuesday, October the tenth. At a press conference this morning, Inspector Mankiewicz denied that two murders in downtown Los Angeles were the work of a vigilante. But rumors still persist that the spate of street killings by a person unknown may be by a citizen turned vigilante. And this was at a party at the radio station. Uh-huh. And it's a celebration about the finalization of the building and the station manager, the guy he's been talking to about the different decisions, comes up and has some concerns about Paul. We've been pals for a long time. Yep. I know Jerry's going must have hit you. Have you been drinking? Hey, you know better than that. Where the hell have you been at night? I've called you dozens of times. Oh, well, I don't often answer the phone. I ring, sometimes I answer, sometimes I don't, but I'm fine. Betty's giving a new building party next Thursday. We'd like you to join us. I'll be there. Are you sure you're free? What else would I be doing? I was waiting for him to just wink at the camera and for to, to go to a freeze frame. <laughs> but this ending actually reminded me of another film. So I have the last line of dialogue from another film that this kind of reminded me of. Not because I have to be. Now, because I choose to be. Know what that's from? Was that a Batman film? It's from uh, Batman Forever. Oh. Where he says oh, he's Oh, that's, that's Val, that's Val, that's Val Kilmer. Kilmer. Yeah. Okay. All right. But yeah, no, there's a big shadow on the on the building. We hear some music, and then we hear two gunshots. And no freeze frame. It's just shots of the city at night over, <clears throat> mm-hmm. over the credits, and uh, the movie is over. Uh, my movie, I'll go first. It can't hold up because I'd never seen it before. To me, this movie was... Was it a good movie? No, absolutely not. But it entertained me. It did. It was what it tried to be. Uh, so for that, the film worked for me. Okay. Uh, I had read that when Roger Ebert would review films, even if it was a shitty film, he'd always give it at least one star. Okay. He refu- he refused to give this movie any stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. I, I You know, it was... The death scenes were obviously very silly, <clears throat> and it's Charles Bronson. I mean, how many more of these did he make? Two more? Three more? Three more, I believe. All right. Uh, what, are you taking a pull of a bong there? Yep, yep. Deep pull. <laughs> Deep pull. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it didn't hold up for me because I had never seen it. But, yeah, you know, it, it is. it was, was what it was. Would I recommend it? No. I I mean it depends. It's 
there are definitely worse films. Yeah. Um, it, it's okay. And then we have... Well, this may sound silly to you, but kids go completely ape if you do three things in a picture. Defy authority, destroy property, and take people's clothes off. Back-to-back weeks. Mm-hmm. All three. And then finally... And now it's time for Jen's two-second movie review. I didn't like it. That was Jen's <laughs> two-second movie review. Jen! D- does not shock me in the least. <laughs> okay, moving on. Watcha! 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 Okay, uh, caught up on Yellowstone, first three episodes, uh, finished The Vow. I watched The Tourist Trap because... The daughter that's in this is actually in Tourist Trap. That's a movie that makes no fucking sense. Mm. Uh, I watched a movie called The Contractor. The Contractor. That's with Chris Pine? Yes. Okay. It's so okay. I, yeah. I watched he, the- He dies at the end of that, right? No. The, the other guy dies. The right? other guy dies, yeah. Okay. I watched the first episode of a documentary series called Pepsi, Where's My Jet? How is that? It's okay. Um, I don't I know where it's going to go. I can't believe that they had they actually had to make three parts. That, to get that's the thing that's in. a little bit difficult to believe. Yeah. Uh, I watched the first episode of The Crown, the fifth series of The Crown. And I, I watched a documentary called Perfect Bid, the contestant that knew too much about uh-huh. um, The Price is Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, it's basically, I learned some stuff I didn't know. Apparently, they recycled or they used to recycle the, all of the items on the prices right oh so you'd see this sofa and that sofa was on three weeks ago so if you watch three weeks ago you know what the price is and he just happened to memorize all the stuff and then get lucky enough to get pulled from the, the crowd uh there was that but the bigger thing was he he went a ton of times that he did not get on the show and when the show is going on people are yelling from the audience and he would yell the correct prices. And one of the things he did was he hit the the showcase showdown like exactly on the nose. Mm-hmm. And that's never happened before. Mm-hmm. And they had to shut down production to see it's like what the fuck's going on. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was it was interesting. And then okay. lastly, I watched the the last episode of Andor. Okay. Well we'll start there. Andor. Uh what'd you think? It ended the way I I th- expected it to, where it is. I I, I didn't expect the the post credits. I'm assuming you watched the post credits. I did watch the post credits. Yeah, which I guess is neat. I thought it was kind of unnecessary because this is still supposed to be four years before Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I'm, how how long does it take them to build? I'm if you look at it, the superstructure is complete. All that's not done is. is is the the super laser, and I know that that's part of the plot of Rogue One is they're having problems with the super laser. But it looks like they are seventy percent done at this point. Yeah, maybe they had to pull it back out and and redo it because they do talk about in Rogue One they talk about yeah all the setbacks and everything, um, and I'm sure the jailbreak was part of the setback. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it ended. It was. The stormtroopers um, are pretty accurate on Ferrix. Well, th- think about the woman, the woman that died. It, it's real easy to be brave and make these statements in your your death your death statement. 
Yeah. How many people died because of what she said in her little hologram going away message? Sure. A lot. 50? Oh, I'm sure they, I'm sure the empire went through and cleaned house on Ferrix. Yeah. So there's that. And then the whole thing with, uh, I can't remember her name, Bix. Bix. Mm -hmm. She's a liability. Yeah. And knowing what we know about Andor, where he will just kill people, having her still be alive and especially having her be alive and compromised and in with the the people that are going to be the rebellion is a danger. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, and all these reviewers it's it's just constantly like, this is the best Star Wars show ever. It's good. Mandalorian is the best Star Wars show ever. I would agree. Yeah, I would that's, agree. Because that's Star Wars. I mean, this you said it that this could be anything. This could be any sci-fi show. Take remove a few things. It's still good. Don't get me wrong. It's it's good. I I enjoyed it, but it it's not the kind of show that would get me to sit down and review it. Right. Like the Mandalorian, I've probably seen every Mandalorian episode four or five times. Right. I I disliked Obi Wan, and there's parts episodes I've rewatched. Yeah. What was the Weasley guy's name? The Weasley guy's name. <clears throat> the guy who was. Not like in the ISB, but he was part he was, of in charge of the defense. Yeah, I don't know what his name was, but is he going to get yeah. a? I'm I'm hoping that dude get at least gets laid for what he did. Oh yeah, because he saved the ISB chick. Yeah, yeah, her pussy is cold as ice. I don't think there's any any way to warm that thing up. All right, but, well. all right. Um, I watched the documentary on Amazon called Severe Clear. It's uh, uh, a Marine with his video camera in the opening invasion of Iraq in 2003. It was good. Uh, I watched a movie called Into the White about um, a German plane and a British plane being shot down in Norway during World War II. And they, they meet at this cabin, the survivors, and how they have to survive. It's with Ron from Harry Potter. Okay. Really good. Yeah. Really good. I mean, super low budget, but... You didn't need a high budget, but it's just an interesting survival story and how do we get along and, you know, friendships ensue, all that sort of thing. That's Into the White? Into the White. And that's with Ron from Harry Potter? Yeah. That's weird because I saw something called Into the Pink with um, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> um, watch the Naked, Gu- the Naked Gun, the okay. first one. Sure. It's so stupid. It is so unbelievably stupid. But- but was it funny? I mean, did it hold up? Did you still laugh? Yes, of course I did. But the jokes are so old. It, it, you know, those jokes have been told a million times. Sure. Uh, we watched Coming to America. The first funny. one or the second one? The first one. Okay. I can't I can't remember if I watched the second one or not. I started watching. I just could not get into it. I think I think that's maybe what hap- happened to me also. But now that I've watched the first one from beginning to end um, – Maybe I'll have to watch it now. I watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Is it animated? Uh, no, part of there's part of it that's animated, but it's 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 got everybody in it. Okay, all, all the all the main principles from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, parts of it are a little bit problematic. They 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 kidnap really? they kidnap Kevin Bacon because Peter Quill always talks about the hero Kevin Kevin Bacon, and he's down, he's blue because it's Christmas. So they go and they kidnap Kevin Bacon for him. And it's the, the the scene of him being kidnapped 
if I was Kevin Bacon, I was talking about it with my son. I'm like, that's terrifying. Think about it. Think about if you're Kevin Bacon and you have these aliens trying to abduct you, how terrified you are. It's not funny. It just wasn't funny. And then this new series on uh, Apple TV called Echo 3. I've watched the first three episodes. It's really good. Really, really good. I have not watched the third episode of Yellowstone. Okay. And that is it. All right. So time to move on to next week. I'm so excited. Wow, this is going to be our shortest podcast ever. I know. Three degrees to next week's movie, and I think I like it. I could have done the Amanda Knox thing, but. So we, we started we started recording this at five o'clock on Saturday night. And, and always be, when I come down stairs, my wife always says, say goodnight to the children. Because, you know, it could be a three or four hour podcast. Mm-hmm. And they're in bed by the time I come upstairs. Sure. And I'm like, I don't need to. This is we're doing Death Wish too. And she's like, No, say goodnight. I'm like, I guarantee you that I will see you before the children go back, go to bed. Death yeah. Wish two is better than Avenging Angel. Oh, by far it was, by far, by a million miles. All right, so you ready for next week's films? Yes. All right, Charles Bronson plays Paul in this week's movie. He plays Brigadier General Dan Shamron in 1976's Raid on Antibi. John Saxon plays General Benny Palid in that film. Saxon plays Sador in this 1980 sci-fi classic? Sador. Battle Beyond the Stars? When your mom, when you tell your mom, we want Star Wars, and your mom says, we've got Star Wars at home, you get Battle (laughs) Beyond the Stars. I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about could it be worse? Um, <laughs> no, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. I'll, I'll take. All it. right. I mean, yeah. Come on, uh, Richard Thomas, George Papard. He loves it when a plan goes gets to comes together. Good night, John yeah, Boy. Probably yeah. a bunch of other people. It is on Amazon with commercials and YouTube with commercials. I watched a bit, bit of the YouTube version. Um, it's clear, and the commer- If you're going to watch it. I would watch it on YouTube because the commercials are 15-second commercials, whereas Amazon usually have to sit through two or three 30-second commercials. Okay. So if you're going to watch it, and please do, it's Battle Beyond the Stars. Have you ever seen it before? I I, I saw it, I'm sure, when I was younger, but it I've not seen it since then. Yeah, same here. I remember really liking it in 1980. I know there's there's a ton of Family Guy references to it. Is there? I don't know I if think there so. is or not. I thought there was, but I, I I could be wrong. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Join us next week for 1980s Battle Beyond the Stars. I'm That's shocked I was it's... actually able to pull that out. I that. am very shocked that you were able to pull that out. But uh, yeah, a- any closing thoughts, Matt? Uh, no, I, I hope everybody that is listening had a great Thanksgiving with your family or whatever. Uh, and thankful to you, Doug, for being part of my my daily or my weekly slog of getting through life. Uh-huh. Yes. Thank you for not dying and <laughs> <laughs> being alive. Yes. Get a little bit more up to date on uh, answering those texts. But no, that's about it. So next week, see you for Battle Beyond the Stars. 
Yeah, if you want to reach out to the show, BetamaxRewind at Yahoo.com or like us on Facebook, rate and review where you get your podcasts. Helps with the algorithm. Helps more fine people like you find idiots like us. And I don't think there's a whole lot out there that are listening, but if you've made it this far, if you've made it this far, thanks. We appreciate it. Tell a friend. I got nothing. (laughs) No, I... I, Battle Beyond the Stars. Are there boobs in that movie? I I can't imagine there are. If there are, they're probably CGI and they're all blocky. They're all blocky. (laughs) Well, you're not going to see them on on, on YouTube. Uh, Probably not. All right, then. Bye. (laughs)